McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. In today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Alyssa Lai, a 2012 graduate of our Communication Studies and Theater and Film Studies programs. Alyssa works in corporate communications for a national insurance and financial services cooperative. Our conversation begins as Alyssa looks back on her experience as an international student and how she carved her path in her new home. After graduating, Alyssa was not one to waste any time and went to work at landing the right job with the right employer. And as someone who has gotten to know Alyssa over the years, this does not surprise me at all. Her unconventional journey includes working in philanthropy, sitting on boards at various community organizations, and learning from regional partners through various fellowships to understand and unpack broad systematic issues. Please join me as we welcome Alyssa to Unconventional. So Alyssa, welcome to our Unconventional podcast. So nice to see you today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for having me. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine for you and think about your life as a McMaster undergraduate student. And the question I'm going to ask you to kick off the podcast is, were you a student who had a master plan of your career path? And if so, what did your master plan look like? Oh, I was none of that. Um, although I didn't have a master plan, I will say that I have a North Star, so to speak. Um, what that means is that I knew I wanted to do communications as a profession, but I also wanted to marry that profession with a purpose that is larger than my own life. And that means to me immerses, immersing myself in social justice issues, understanding current affairs, and frankly, using my skills and talents to move the needles on issues that I care about, whether it's diversity, inclusion, equity and philanthropy so this north star that i had in mind is to be that you know person that is able to bring together my profession as well as my personal interests to have a fulfilling life as a whole so let's even go more like further back when you were a grade 12 <laughs> student um and you had a grade 12 teacher who was a mac grad who inspired you to choose mcmaster out of all the other universities so why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience and what was what was the message the grad the teacher told you that why you should think about mcmaster for your educational career Mm -hmm. um, that Mac grad is uh, Mr. Easton Hanna. I think if you look for him, he's a social work grad from McMaster University before going to Teachers College. Um, he was my grade 12 teacher who taught me history back in Malaysia, where I was completing the Ontario Secondary School Diploma in order to qualify to apply to Canadian University as an international student. Well, back then I did not like history. I thought it was boring. And I think many students might think that as well when they are the 18 year old self. Well, you know, I, that, 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 yeah. that's, a, that's a nice through the heart. I'm a history grad from McMaster. 
<laughs> but, but, but there you go. This that, you know, 17, 18 year old self yeah. that did not like history. But I what I really appreciated most about Mr. Hannah is that he showed me otherwise. And he showed me not by telling me, he showed me through his interest in that subject, his enthusiasm. He told stories in in such a spirited manner. And I think his love for that subject really inspired me to also ended up liking the subject of history. But I will say that the, the real thought process is more true of a logic that a 17-year-old would have, which is when it comes to choosing universities, I thought, okay, if Mr. Hannah is such a great teacher, he must have a good education. So when I found out that he went to McMaster, I say, okay, that's a no-brainer. Um, that university must have done something for him to make him such a good teacher in order to inspire others. And I thought, I want a piece of that too. And that's the place that I saw myself getting into because he was such a great teacher. And it was really that moment that led me on this path. So you would have had probably a big transition from, you know, your high school days and deciding to come to Canada to be an international mm-hmm. student. So how, how, how did you, how did you manage that? Like, was it a shock to the system? What did you think about Mac when you finally arrived and started to settle in the community? What do you remember about those days when you were transitioning from high school to, to McMaster and, you know, as an international student, it's all new. It is new. There, there are things that are new, but not only that things that you would expect to happen in a certain pattern that, but didn't expect in a way that you want it to be. So I'll give you a simple example. Um, Even as you're walking down on the streets in in Hamilton, you see houses that are unfenced, big lawns, unfenced. And that was completely new to me because I grew up in an environment where you have housing complex, where everything is fenced. You You wouldn't leave anything unfenced. So that is a shift in terms of what you see on the environment. The other shift that you see from the environment is how people talk to one another, the idiosyncrasies of, Canadian dialogue, words such as how's it going, makes no complete sense um, from a <laughs> from an English and grammar perspective. So understanding the idiosyncrasies and understanding the culture is another dimension to cope with. So you're coming at it with a sense of newness, a sense of excitement, some anxiety for sure, but also the other sense of is this where I belong? Is this where I see myself? So the overarching um, framing that I would say in my experiences is not a fully positive or fully negative experience, but wonder, but rather you have a mismatch of different experiences and feelings that come with it. And the realization hits that you're there to make it your own based on their experience. Um, not going to speak for many international students, but I, I think at some point, the realization of you're there to make it your own either sinks in sooner rather than later based on the interactions that you have and the environment they're in. So were you a very active student? Like were you engaged in student life at McMaster when you were um, an undergraduate student? I will say that I I was not a maroon. (laughs) (laughs) I was not a maroon. I was not a welcome week um, rep. I was none of those because it didn't felt right in terms of um, my personality and what I gravitate towards, I was engaged in a, in a different way. I, I thought hard about, you know, what I, what I can do to make the best of my time here at McMaster University. And I really think about the learning aspect of it. So one ways I got, one of the ways I got involved is was through volunteering because it was such a brand new concept to me. 
in Canada to volunteer, like be of service to someone, giving up your time to someone for things that you may not know a lot about. So I thought very closely about how can I maximize my time outside of the classroom and volunteering was one of them. Um, took part in some service learning trips to the Student Success Center, which taught me a lot about the world beyond Canada and world beyond Malaysia, where I was born and raised. And the other piece as well is I took a keen interest in the courses that I took, um, not just for the sake of getting the good grades, although that was an important part of my life as a student, but also as a way to think differently, brush up your skills and really learn about the subject. And I took communication studies and theater and film studies at Master University. And I think the combination of being interested in courses that you're in and leveraging opportunities through that, whether it's teaching assistantship or research assistantships, which I was a part of, and marrying those with your volunteer opportunities that you get outside of the classroom, that to me really form a rich and holistic experience in my time at Mac despite not being a World Comfort grab. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone back to high school. Then we went, you know, jumped ahead to when you arrived at McMaster. So why don't you talk us a little bit, talk with us a little bit about your first few months as a new grad and explain for our listeners, you know, what was your transition from undergraduate life to, you know, a, a career? Mm-hmm. I will admit that at that point, it felt daunting and also a little jarring because in school, you are given assignments, you're given courses, you follow the bouncing ball, so to speak. There's a structure in place and you are slowly moving towards this goal of a four-year degree. But when you are off school and you are getting started in your career, like none of that exists. So it's jarring because for me at that point, I was building the structure for my life for scratch that has a longer arch to it beyond four years. And I'm seriously thinking about what I wanted to do um, to make my life fulfilling, but also frankly to um, support and make a living. So I spent some time thinking about my goals and goals for my career, but also goals for my personal life. Um, for career is looking at the profession itself. And by that I met communications. And it means looking at all the skills that I needed to have to be an excellent communicator and marrying that with the avenues that could help me meet those skills. So I spent a lot of time thinking of those avenues and when I do that is either through volunteering, internships, freelance work, all in the spirit of meeting the skills I needed to be a communications professional. And for my personal life, I think about things that fulfill me, volunteering, supporting courses that causes that are important to me and taking a piece of myself and what I can offer to the community that I live in and sharing it that in, in a meaningful way. Um, it took me a full year of freelancing, interning, and building those skills before I landed the first full-time gig in communications. Um, not going to lie, the transition is tough on mental health, and I think that sentiment could be said to many recent grads. Um, it is a hard phase, but it is one phase that I knew I needed to move through it and humility and eagerness to learn and the hard work was instrumental. So if, yeah, if I was to think about your career and when you first graduated, you did, you had like a couple of jobs, right? Like you were basically, mm -hmm. I want to be a communications professional. So I'm going to 
be very thoughtful um, and figure out who are those people and what sort of opportunities, which might not have been a full-time job for you at that time, but we're able to sort of build your network. So I think often people when graduate, young people when they graduate from university, they get really nervous about networking and putting themselves out there. But you were a person who did that. So you know, it, it was that just a natural sort of, you were fine to do that. Networking is something you uh, feel comfortable with, or did you have to work to be comfortable to, to network and get to meet people? Cause you've had a number of different positions, each, each one, um, more responsibility and, mm-hmm. you know, where you are now. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about networking and how, cause you're an excellent networker. I don't know if you know that you're an excellent <laughs> networker. You. You're very, very good at it. Thank you. It was definitely more of the latter. It didn't come naturally to me. Um, being in a room full of people that um, I don't know does give butterflies in my stomach, so to speak. Um, as for how to overcome that, I, I think one of the key things that I've learned about it is that it's not about the quantity of people that you meet, but the quality of the people that you meet. I was deliberate in thinking about if I were to spend my energies talking to people, um, I'd be thoughtful about it be thoughtful about it and having, you know, meaningful conversations with people and being genuine about it. And the other piece that not many people think about is what happens when you have that initial conversation with that person? To me, the follow-up and the next steps are just as important, if not more, after that initial meeting. Because that's where the magic comes and that's where the hard work begins. You're sustaining the relationship. You're having more follow-up conversations, one-on-ones. And you're keeping the person the price of your journey in the manner and the spirit of fostering a long-lasting relationship. I think that's critical because when you're building relationships with others, it isn't about what you could get out of it in the, in the get-go. It's about a give and take. That's why it's a relationship. It's not, you know, a one-sided thing. I think of it as long-term versus something as a quick hit. So those perspectives that I talked about, thinking closely about follow-up, spending your time meaningfully in a quality way with people and thinking long-term are what I, I would say some of my guiding principles in connecting with people and building relationships. So volunteerism is an important part in your life, and you've been a very Mm -hmm. active volunteer within the Hamilton community. What do you get from that when you volunteer? I do think it's a few things. One is that you are challenged with different perspectives in an environment that isn't necessarily a work setting. Because I do think that when you are working and even when you're challenged at work, it's within the context of your profession and what you're paid for. But when you're unpaid for a certain role that has a purpose that is different and not tied to compensation, you shift that thinking a little bit more and you spend a lot more time listening and considering perspectives that are not yours. So to me, I get a lot out of it. Um, I volunteer on a couple of different boards um, and that exposed me to different ways of thinking. That's one piece of things when it comes to working with others. The other piece that I think is more important by volunteering is that you broaden your horizon of issues that are beyond just this bubble that you're in. And I think it's crucial to think that way because a lot of what we experience in a local level is connected on an international and global level. Um, Things that you see down the street are things, you know, that are connected on a regional and city level. 
So I do think that spending time and investing, you know, effort in working with organizations on a volunteer capacity does help you broaden that lens. At the end of the day, you know, make you become more critical and have a deeper humility on, on others. So what is one piece of advice you wish you knew when you graduated? It's your own personal marathon, not a sprint. I think when you are graduating and you are looking at others who have seemingly got a lot more further than you, you kind of wonder like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I not there yet? And I, I think it's important to take a step back where you, where you worry less about what other people are doing and what your peers are and focus on your own goals, your interests and your conviction. Because at the end of the day, you set the path for yourself and you are to lean into others to help you get there. But it should never be done in comparison with others. You do your own yardstick and you measure your own goals, but try very, very hard not to compare yourself with your peers or people that are far ahead in your career. Um, Because it can be very depressing if you think of a yardstick in that way and measure yourself through that perspective. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days and what you love about your job and maybe one thing you'd like to change or a challenge that maybe you didn't expect with this new role. <laughs> well, I've been with this role for a year and a half. And See, I ta- ta- started- time, time is all gone, yeah. in COVID, right? Like it just seems like yesterday you were, you were working at Mac and, and then left, but mm-hmm. wow, a year and a half. Wow. Time does fly. It was a year and a half and I spent more time working remotely than in office than originally expected because I started on December 30th, 2019. Yeah. In terms of what I really liked about this role, which is at the cooperators and in corporate communications, it gave me an opportunity to do internal communications, which is a very jargony way of saying like, how do we talk to our internal audiences, such as our employees, our advisors, our staff, et cetera. So it gave me a chance to really hone in on a specific communication function that I've long desired to sharpen. Um, And I've had that in space. So one of the things that was stressful, but also exciting and invigorating about some of the career that I have so far, the cooperators, um, is the chance to lead pandemic response communication for advisor network. And this is a network of close to 600 advisors across Canada. And we even have offices in um, Yellowknife. So you're talking about a wide range of um, people who all operate under the cooperators banner and you are tasked in leading communications for that when you're very new to your organization. Um, definitely a stress assignment. Um, definitely, you know, something that I find extremely rewarding at the same time. Um, and it taught me a lot about deeper things that persuade people to do something or don't do something, especially at a time where there's a lot of um, uncertainty around that. So what's one thing you'd like to be known for? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to be known as someone who builds bridges while still challenging others to consider different viewpoints. There is a saying that you put aside our differences to come together to do something. Well, I actually think that we need to embrace our differences to come together effectively. 
because putting aside differences suppresses a part of us that we don't want to suppress. So why don't we embrace those differences, come together and build those bridges? Um, I like to think of myself as, as a person that enabled that um, based on the cross-sectoral experiences that I have. And as someone who, who thinks that it's important to hold on to your values and knowing that you can still hold on to your values and still do great things together. So what's next for Alyssa? Where do you see yourself professionally in five years? Professionally, I've always aspired to be a cross-sectoral communications professional as someone who is competent in doing communications in different sectors and industries, whether it's public, private, or nonprofit. At the same time, it's also important to me that my professional life is complemented by what I call the things I do outside of my paid job. The volunteering, the board experiences, the mentorship. Um, my vision for myself as a whole is to be that cross-sectoral leader in communications with that broad breadth of experience in that profession while also continuing to be of service to important societal causes. So one of the things we like to do as we um, reach the end of our podcast is ask a selection of our rapid fire questions. So mm -hmm. here, we, here we go. So favorite mm -hmm. memory of McMaster. Oh, the hours spent at the old Robinson Theater when preparing for a theater show. <laughs> <laughs> I know the university has gotten, you know, some uplift in theater um, spaces, especially with the new Black Boss Theater at um, Wilson Hall. Yeah. Um, but Robinson Theater is where I spent most of my time as a theater student. And the reason why I say it's a favorite memory, despite it being stressful, is that Putting on a show has is hard work, has many moving parts, you know, but when the curtains are drawn and when the lights come out softly and the, you hear the sound being cued, humming along, you know that something magical is unfolding right in front of your eyes. And that to me is very special. Oh, that's a very cool memory. Best COVID purchase? A coffee maker and a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what gets us through most days these days. Um, what or podcast are you either reading or listening to? I'm toggling between two books. Um, one is Chris Hatfield's An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. And then another is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And I want to give a shout out to our local Hamilton Public Library for making those books easily accessible um, electronically through the overdrive system. <laughs> yep, that's great. Um, what living person do you most admire? I will say Michelle Obama. I don't think I need to say more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. And one song that best describes your time at McMaster. Ooh. I want to say Staying Alive by By the Bee Gees? <laughs> <laughs> it just came to me. Yeah. It just came to me. <laughs> well, that's a great song, and that's a, a good way to end the podcast. So, Alyssa, this has been absolutely terrific. It's been a joy to watch you as you have um, progressed through your career. Uh, for those who don't know, Alyssa is one of our most actively engaged alumni. We always know whatever we do, she's watching and giving us um, positive feelings and and, and, and good thoughts. So thank you so much on that. We appreciate that in the alumni team, um, but wish you really well in the future. And I know you'll still stay connected to the institution. Thanks, Karen. And thanks so much. It's been such a pleasure having a conversation with you.